0: This is Speaking of the Economy, a podcast hosted by the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. In each episode, we'll hear firsthand from the Richmond Fed's economists and other experts about the issues they're exploring, from access to credit, to workforce development, to regional differences in economic outcomes. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and do not represent the views of the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond or the Federal Reserve System. I'm
1: Alex Murray, Regional Economist at the Baltimore Branch at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Tim McGehee, Vice President of Technical Services at Choptank Electric Cooperative. We'll talk about the company's expansion of broadband internet access in the eastern shore of Maryland. This episode will be the first in a series of conversations we'll have with business and community leaders in rural parts of the 5th District about the economic challenges they face, as well as the creative community-based solutions they devise to address them. I invite you to read the accompanying Rural Spotlights article on our website to learn more about Chop Tank's broadband project. Thanks for talking with me today, Tim. Thank you, Alex. Good to be here. So, Tim, can you tell us a bit about your background and your role at Chop Tank?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I've spent the the bulk of my career really in uh, technical consulting, delivering, you know, technical solutions, solving technical problems for uh, a host of industries, media, health, logistics, so just really a range of industries, and I got involved in the utility industry in 2013, specifically with the co-op industry. The model was really attractive to me in that uh, it was more mission-based than strictly profit-based. Expenses were a concern, right? Um, Because they're trying to deliver the best solutions to their members at a reasonable cost, but it was very service-oriented. More recently, worked with our CEO, Mike Melandro. He and I did work together in Virginia at an electric co-op, forming a broadband subsidiary there. I joined Mike as he took on a new challenge in Chop Tank Electric, in the eastern shore of Maryland. The responsibilities that I have here are obviously all of the utility responsibilities of grid, cyber, business, um, operations, all technology involved in those areas. I like to think that all of those synergies from all those other areas kind of help culminate into delivering a good solution for Not only the utility, which is our our day to day responsibility, but also this new business venture that we're kicking off with uh, our broadband subsidiary, Chop
1: Tank Fiber. That's great. So, what led you guys to begin to look at providing broadband service?
2: You know, it was really a combination of things. When we looked at this environment and started talking to people, that came up as an overarching concern from an economic development perspective, from a quality of life. I mean, this was pre-pandemic. We married that with about 600 plus miles of existing fiber infrastructure that we used for backbone for our internal communications, as well as grid technology. We weren't using all of that. So we had some spare capacity to be able to jumpstart this business venture. To quote CEO, he kind of had a, a moral uh, obligation, he felt, to marry those two things together.
1: Do you think that's one of the reasons why an electric cooperative is the right solution for broadband service in the area? Presumably, there are lots of different ways to get broadband service delivered, but why are electric cooperatives the right solution for the rural area that you serve? The model of why the co-ops
2: even exist mirrors this situation that we have with broadband today. The reasons that co-ops exist from an electric perspective was because no one wanted to go out in the rural areas and serve uh, electricity. They said it was too expensive, not enough, profits could be made from it. And so they formed co-ops to pool those resources together, garner some uh, grant resources, and implement systems and technologies to deliver power. Second thing that we've already established that there's a tremendous amount of synergies between Electric Cooperative uh, delivering electricity and uh, Electric Cooperative forming a subsidiary that's delivering broadband. The the hanging of the lines on the pole, it's just a different kind of wire. You know, while there's certainly a learning curve, when you look at all the things that we do as a utility, this is just another item that marries very well. It's not a radically different service
1: What steps has has Chop Tank taken to get to where you are today with broadband rollout? Where does it stand now? And then what are the major milestones as you look to the future for rolling out broadband service on the Eastern Shore?
2: Well, the first step for us was really just going into some feasibility and just getting our arms around cost and scope and what timeframes we wanted to hit all of our underserved members. We've performed the feasibility studies. Those give you some comfort level at a high level, but you don't have the ability in those to go to the depth that you would need to go to get firm numbers. You're only as good as the data that you're feeding them, right? So your experience um, in those individual areas um, will help feed those numbers. And for us, the ability to get Fiber material itself, and as well as all of the other parts that are needed to deliver broadband. You know, the the timeframes, they're only getting longer, seven, eight months, a year on some items. We had to start putting together uh, relationships and a process for how do we we ensure that we're in the pipeline to have the materials when we need them that was a huge piece and uh, to the puzzle because anybody starting today is already a year out on some of these materials. So we had to start that early, start those conversations and use those existing relationships to be able to stand up inventories and warehouses just based on our reputation and the relationships that we already have in place. Then, you know, continuing on as you move through the process, drilling into the areas that you want to serve first, and the resources that you have in place, and starting that engineering process, and having those conversations with uh, localities and with regards to any additional funding that they can help provide to help move that process forward a little faster. We had initially had given uh, everybody an estimate of ten years to serve our underserved member territory no one's happy with that number but that's a time frame that we were comfortable with in serving that area and not having a, a
1: significant financial impact to the electric cooperative right right so wh- what are the most significant barriers you've faced so far this is early days right in the in the project
2: yeah that's right there's so much that goes into the planning stage you know that we kind of talked about before Obviously, there's a learning curve internally. This is a new technology. So even though we do utility construction, it's different. It's a little different, but that really hasn't been huge. The biggest barrier is we can't move fast enough. Once we said we're doing this, we formed our subsidiary and said we're doing it, you can't move fast enough. There is thousands of stories out there of why people need this service now. There simply isn't any real, uh, magic uh, solution to this—it's a—it's a utility construction project, and construction takes time and money, and you know we can only be in so many places at one time.
1: So it sounds like additional funding at the local, state, and federal levels can help to degree move things along. Is that right? But then there's also this engineering problem of how do you deploy this infrastructure out as quickly as possible?
2: You know, all of that is really solved with additional funds if we need to move at x number of miles per week that is significantly more than what we've got the internal capacity to do then we just it's just an exponential level and at some point it does actually get quite a bit more expensive Uh, the larger the projects become well you need more resources to manage those versus what you're able to manage internally
1: So, what lessons have you learned along the way? Are are there things that other communities or or electric cooperatives could learn? Um, Do it right. Do it right. That
2: pressure that I mentioned before, with regards to everybody wants it now, you know, patience is wearing thin. And like I said, the pandemic has certainly, as we all know, has brought a a lot of those pain points to the forefront. It's really turned out the heat. And so, there is a tendency to try to do things quicker and maybe not to the scale that you would want to do them. Uh, Stick to your guns and do it right. Make sure you've got the processes in place to allow you to scale to the level that you need to be able to scale to do these kind of utility construction projects and use the right products. Too many uh, localities have spent money, had promises made, and at the end of the day, the uh, solutions that was delivered in the community didn't come through uh, with the needs that people needed. Spend the money now. It's never going to get any cheaper. I think it's apparent if a lot of these areas, if it would have started 10 years ago, it would be done now and it would be done a lot cheaper and everybody would be happier and be able to pivot off those assets for greater things in their community. Uh, Don't try to make up for lost time with some magic solution because it doesn't really exist. Fiber technology, good project management, right-sizing of the funding to the project and efficient use of the dollars. I would say that the biggest thing is just don't let the pressure push you outside of what you know is right with regards to building out this asset that needs to be a 30-year asset, not a five-year asset. Just like the electric facilities that we have in place, those that mm-hmm. have been in for a while and are going to be in for a while, those are long-term assets delivering the needs of the community for a long time to come. common. Need to do the same thing with broadband and just do it right.
1: I think I'm going to remember your answer, uh, do it right. I want to remember that. Your answer there, I think, was very helpful because we've done a fair bit of talking to providers and potential providers. And it has come up, this issue of, well, we've done a couple of feasibility studies and they've just been... You know, eye-popping, as you pointed out, if you're already in the utility business, you can kind of gut check those numbers that are behind the consultant's report and get a sense about how how, how accurate they are and, and what you're capable of. That's exactly
2: right. We pulled our invoices, right? These are things that we already do. So when we line all of those things up, we were able to put our real numbers into the project. As we have conversations with counties, and they've gotten different proposals from folks to help solve this problem, we have a, a really a great comfort level in those numbers. We know what it's going to take to get the construction work done, and this is what we pay to get this work done.
1: What would you say to an electric cooperative or another potential broadband service provider that's considering getting into the space, but is put off by the potential cost of the project. Maybe they've had a feasibility study from some consultants, and they just think this price tag's too high.
2: I mean, it can be a daunting number. Um, There's no doubt about that. But do your due diligence. Get a comfort level with the numbers for sure, and really dive into those numbers and understand them Those feasibility studies are great, but the organizations that do them have to generalize a lot of times, right? And based on a whole country's area's worth of data, but your area is going to be a little bit different. And and everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different with regards to uh, regulatory hurdles in their particular state or the way the business models might need to work out. So do your due diligence, look at the numbers, and they will tell the story. Make sure that you're comfortable with the data and what it's going to take to actually pull off that project. We believe it's worth it. Um, There certainly is a value that you can't really measure, uh, but I think that we are all getting that this is something that's like electricity. Back in the day, good quality broadband is a given. Those are services that are needed in these rural communities.
1: So, Tim, there's a significant amount of... um money coming down the line at the federal level from the American Rescue Plan and potentially other infrastructure packages what do you think is the best way to spend that money and the best way to make sure that it actually delivers the the broadband service that people need
2: yeah i think there's two pieces to that one is the technology in making sure that we're putting the dollars towards the best use of those dollars for the long haul all the co-ops are doing fiber to the home, because that is a technology and an infrastructure that's going to last. It's a relatively simple thing to change out the electronics on either ends of that fiber optic cable, but that fiber optic is going to be able to provide for the needs of that community for decades. The second piece I would say of that is, you know, learn from what we did in the most recent off auction, for example, of you know, some unreasonable bids by people that you really have concerns about being able to deliver those kind of utility projects in the communities. Uh, you want people with good balance sheets, with a good track record of doing those kind of projects and being able to manage those kind of projects, um, that they have good balance sheets, they have good resources, they got good processes, and um, they're, they're stable entities that's going to be around for a while.
1: Thank you so much, Tim. This has been really helpful. No, this is a great conversation.
0: Speaking of the Economy is produced by the Research Department at the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond. You can subscribe to the podcast on the Apple Podcasts app or download past episodes from our website at richmondfed.org slash economy Want to know more about the issues that the Richmond Fed has been exploring? Check out our regional focus a series of curated web pages that showcase economic research and data, reports and essays, and community engagement endeavors relevant to 5th District communities. Just look for the links on the homepage at richmondfed.org. The intro music for this podcast was composed by Ernest Barbaric, and the sound effect used in the intro was produced by Keith Holzman. The outro music was by Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening.